Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game with Social Selling, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Yes, indeed. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, I promise you're in the right place and you know you are. Let's see what the buzz on the street is today. Okay, I have a quote. I'm not cracking up here, just needed to swallow. <laughs> quote from Triblio. The quote is, technology can make salespeople more effective and efficient if you know what tools to use. That's an aha moment for many of you. Of course, this is our series on social selling, so we're going to be talking about social selling tools. Let me give you a little bit of background, and then I'll introduce my panelists. So, despite hard proof that social selling gives the modern B2B sales force a tangible advantage over what we'll just politely call social laggards, you know, they're saying, what? I have to be on Facebook? I have to be on LinkedIn? I have to be social? What are you talking about? I'm going to pick up the phone and cold call a bunch of people and magic will happen, not so much. Anyway, despite hard proof that there is an advantage, and it's real, and quotas are being met and exceeded by the modern sales force, many companies still consider it a trend or a fad, and they don't want to go there. It could be maybe the company does, but some of the salespeople don't want to go there. So if you and your sales team need more information before you, shall we say, dip your toe in the water or wade in a little deeper into the pool, that's what we're going to give you today. I have a panel of three experts are going to share their insights. They're all in the field. They all know social selling very well on how you can pick, well, the best and the right social selling tools. What do you need for your purposes? How can you navigate what we're going to say is the increasingly crowded pool, using that water metaphor again, especially when everybody in your organization should be part of this, not just the sales team. Everybody has to be social. That's how it works. Let me tell you who my experts are, and then we'll get started. First up is a young man, I can call him, looking from his picture, William Aruda, founder of Reach. He hasn't been on in a while, and we'll be speaking with him in just a moment. Joining us is a newcomer, Megan Davis. She leads social selling at a startup, a reg tech startup called GAN, G-A-N, all in caps, GAN Integrity. And rounding out the panel is somebody else who's been away too long, Phil Lurie, VP of Sales Technology and a leader in the SAP Social Selling Program. Phil, you've been away too long. So let's start with William. And William has sent me a quote from Oscar Wilde. Anybody doesn't know, 1854 to 1900, Oscar Fingal O'Flaherty, Wills Wilde, W-I-L-D-E, Irish playwright, novelist, essayist, and poet. His famous, most famous novel is The Picture of Dorian Gray. We'll leave it at that. Here is the quote. William, I adore this quote. I haven't heard it in a long time. It's be yourself. Everyone else is already taken. William Aruda, how have you been? I have been great, Bonnie. How about you? I'm glad to well, reconnect with you. Thank you. Ditto, ditto. You've been way too long. You've been away way too long. I'm loving this quote, William, because it's it's something you could tell anybody, not just on a topic about social selling. You could tell this to a, a teenager, a kid, somebody who thinks they have to run with the pack, right? You could tell this to anybody as a mantra for living what we call today an authentic life. So why don't you tell me how this does apply to our topic of social selling insider secrets? 
Well, I think, you know, the interesting thing about uh, social media is, uh, and it's technology, right? Technology has made business more human. And to be uh, successful in this world, people can see through uh, a veil and, and phoniness. So when you're being your authentic self, you have the best opportunity to build those strong relationships. And that's the foundation of being able to be a successful salesperson. So let's just take this a little bit deeper, William. How does this relate to, let's say we have a company of uh, 50 or 100 people, and as I just mentioned, you're saying, we're saying it's not just for the sales team. It's for everybody to be part of the social persona of the company, to be themselves. Just give me a little little depth there on how does that work when you say be yourself. Uh, Mary just gets a job. Bob just gets a job, and they're working for widgets number one, two, three in uh, Nebraska, and they're told, go out and be social, but represent the company's brand. So how should they be themselves? I'm just looking for a tip before we dive deeper. Go ahead. I'm so glad you bring that up because, you know, the company has some messages they want to communicate. Yes. And it's clear to the marketplace whether those messages are coming from the company or somebody in, internal to that company. So what I, I call it applied personal branding. So how do you take what's authentic and unique about you and use that as a way to further promote the company. So you understand what's going on there, but how do you tell that story in your authentic voice? And, and that's what's going to be able to engage people. And then there are multiple voices out there in the marketplace, all pointing to that company, but doing so in a way uh, that's really magnetic and, and helps people build relationships. So it, it's kind of applied personal branding, thinking about what your unique value is and then using that to further the brand of the organization you work for. Sounds interesting, sounds a little complicated, and I know we'll get some more tips from you deeper into the show. <laughs> Thank you, William. Very, very, it's that, that relevance. It's who are you with relation to what you're doing and the company you're working for and what their message is. You hit a lot of very good points there. Thank you very much. And now let's introduce our brand new newcomer to Game Changers. She is Megan Davis. As I said, she's with GAN, G-I-N Integrity. And Megan has sent us a quote from somebody. I'm going to say somebody, Megan. It's actually a fictional (laughs) character. I have the picture in front of me, Megan. I got it from the Internet, and the character is Edna Mode, M-O-D-E. She's a fictional character in Disney Pixar's computer animated superhero film, The Incredibles, da-da-da-da-da, 2004. She is an eccentric fashion designer renowned for designing the costumes of famous superheroes before they were forced to retire, and she worked closely with Mr. Incredible and Elastigirl. And what's interesting is that Brad Bird, who was the screenwriter and director of The Incredibles, was wondering how do superheroes get their costumes? So he created the character of Edna Marie with E in quotes as I think her middle initial, Edna E mode, and she's based loosely on a couple of characters. Number one on, let's see, we've got um, Anna Wintour, the editor-in-chief of Vogue, as well as actress Linda Hunt, who stars in uh, NCIS LA and who can forget Linda Hunt, that voice? So anyway, I think she looks like a cross between the two. Here, here is the quote, Megan. Megan, you're cracking me up here. Here's the quote Megan has selected from Edna Mode in The Incredibles. I never look back. I can't do the voice. I never look back, darling. It distracts me from the now. Megan Davis, welcome to Game Changers. How are you today? Thank you so much, Bonnie. I'm well, and I appreciate the additional insight on Edna. I'm learning things already. Uh, that's what I'm here for. So tell me, how did you find the quote and how does it relate to social selling and being on the inside? Sure. So Edna is actually one of my heroes. That's how I was familiar with the quote. And she, I, she's one of my heroes because she's effectively 
working to enable some of the best superheroes in the world. Um, and she's prescriptive in the suits that she makes for them. And in my mind, that, that parallels a lot with, um, with the profession of sales enablement and helping empower salespeople to put their best selves forward and show up in the social space. Um, so I love that about her, and I also love that this quote is in the now. So um, Edna, also in, in the movie in The Incredibles, she, she's prescriptive in the suits that she builds for Mr. Incredible and his family, and in doing so, she also pushes these superheroes a little bit outside their comfort zones to make them better. And this mentality of challenging others and ourselves to be better is really what allows us to improve in real time or in the now. And that tactic I, I find to be very successful in the social space. Very, very interesting. I'm, I'm getting, it's almost like looking in the mirror, uh, Megan. I'm thinking, these are superheroes. They are animated characters. We're talking about now. We're talking about authenticity. We're talking about animated figures. And one couldn't be farther from the truth of the other. And yet they are, right? Within the story, that's what you're saying is they needed to be now and they needed to, to represent what they're supposed to be. So it, it's, it's like looking inside of a painting and saying, what's real? Uh, you're too young, but there was a phrase, is it real or is it Memorex? There used to be a, a, a TV advertisement, a radio advertisement about Memorex audio tapes. The, the cassette tapes were so good on the audio reproduction quality, you didn't know whether the opera singer was really singing or it was a recording. And they had her voice breaking a glass in, in the recording. And the question was, so very, very interesting. Thank you for introducing me to Edna Mode. I'm going to have to go look at The Incredibles. I think I missed that one. So thank you very much, Megan. And we have a lot more to learn from you later in the show. And now let's turn to Phil Lurie at SAP. Phil, gone too long. Phil, rumor has it you're a professor now, uh, looking professorly, and here is your quote you have selected from Thomas Edison. That's Thomas Alva Edison, 1847 to 1931, American inventor and businessman. Oh, come on, everybody. He invented the phonograph. Does anybody, uh, I don't know if Megan even knows. Megan, do you know what a phonograph is? Have you ever heard the word? You know, I'm familiar with the word. I'm not going to step up and try and define it. <laughs> I, I am thrilled that you said that. Phil Lurie is probably laughing. Phil, how did I know that she wouldn't even know what a phonograph is? I just took a guess. Phonograph is a record player, Megan. It's before we had CDs and DVDs, and it's before all of the digital media. It was where you put a vinyl record onto a turntable. You put a needle on it, and the needle played the music or the voices through the groove and brought it out through speakers. Uh, Thomas Al. Alva Edison also invented the motion picture camera and the long-lasting practical electric light bulb. He was called the Wizard of Menlo Park, one of the first inventors to apply the principles of mass production and large-scale teamwork to the process of invention. He had over 1,000, he held 1,093 U.S. patents and many more in the U.K., France, and Germany. So there. So here's the quote Phil has selected. Negative results are just what I want. They're just as valuable to me as positive results. I can never find the thing that does the job best until I find the ones that don't. Phil, how have you been? I've been great. And uh, I've been learning a lot uh, because of the part-time teaching position. Uh, I get to see the uh, millennials and the younger than millennials. And I, I was not surprised by not knowing <laughs> what a phonograph is. Uh, 
I was uh, surprised that uh, a lot of my students don't know what uh, broadcast television is all about. Uh, really? So uh, we're going to see some trends. And the reason I picked Edison, first of all, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a fan, although I don't think I would have liked working for him because apparently he was pretty harsh. But one of the things that uh, he, you did not mention is that he's actually the father of marketing in that Thomas Edison put his name on every product he developed. And up until that time, no one had done that. So he established the whole concept of branding and selling the Edison name as a, as a, uh, an entrepreneur, I think an entrepreneur of, mm-hmm. um, of uh, quality uh, was really important to, to him. So that whole branding. So he's actually one of the fathers of marketing. And I thought that was kind of appropriate. Um, I like this quote, especially because it's relevant to social selling in that it should be an iterative process. You try different things, uh, you try experiments, and uh, you measure the results, and then iterate and make a change and go back and try again, measure the results, and you keep improving. And that's what we're doing in selling in, in social media. Phil, interesting you said that. We hear in the design thinking concept very often, fail fast, fail often. We hear fail forward. What's the tolerance? And I'm going to use this as a question to go around the table. I'll start with you and then William Aruda and then uh, Megan Davis. What's the tolerance level in companies for somebody who eh, doesn't really get it right on social the first time? Maybe they say something, let's not go so far as to say that completely trashes the company's brand or their ethics or anything like that, something really egregious. But let's say that they they put a little bit too much personal stuff out there or they don't use certain buzzwords and they get it wrong. So what's what's the degree of uh, risk, a degree, risk tolerance, shall we say, for goofing it when you're doing social for your company, Phil? Well, if there's no pain, there's no gain. Uh, we can do a number of analogies, but uh, there's a famous story um, that, I, that I picked up in, in doing my research for, for school where um, a company who I won't mention uh, set up that they were set training their bots and how to answer customer questions and to handle email. And the bots were learning, uh, machine learning. And the bots made the mistake of um, listening to social media on Twitter and started picking up vulgar language and racist <sighs> comments. And the company had to turn around very, very quickly. So uh, I think the answer to your question comes about in, in saying that the trick is, is to rotate or to move quickly in the iteration process, to be nimble. And if you make a mistake, back away from it, apologize, and move on to the next. Uh, so I think it's, it's how you do it. And, and I think people are forgiving of mistakes, and uh, there is a high level of tolerance. And also people have short memories, so the, the combination of <laughs> uh, forgiveness and short memory will probably help you move on to the next. But really not to dwell upon it, just try to get, get on to the next and, and make a mis- you know, don't, don't uh, make it worse by trying to cover it up. Just be clean and move along. I think these are more general life principles, but they certainly apply to social selling and social media and how you present yourself on the web. Thank you, Phil. Great insights. Let's go around the table to William Aruda. William, agree or disagree with Phil? We're talking about that fail fast, fail off, and fail forward. What if you really, you're working for a company and your first attempts are really not on target? How should the company treat that and how should you come back? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I think that the 
uh, people are much more forgiving uh, in social media because it is a less formal channel of communications to the marketplace. So I think it's easy, unless you do something egregious, and that's not what we're talking about here, it's mm-hmm. really easy to refine and move away. I think where companies uh, create those problems is when they are being inauthentic, right? That story about the bots is absolutely brilliant. So you're trying to take a channel that is supposed to be human and authentic and transparent, and you're trying to automate that with bots, and, and mm-hmm. hence you, you see what happens, and that causes that kind of problem. So I think if, as, as long as people are being uh, authentic, it's much easier to recover from that than if you're being out there telling things that you don't necessarily believe or that you're not even controlling because it's artificial intelligence that's making the communication to the marketplace. Thank you very much, Megan Davis. Love to get your thoughts on this. Fail fast, fail often, fire them right away. Well, what do you think? <laughs> Um, definitely fail fast, fail often, and ask questions. Um, I'm I'm new to this space and just a sponge and learning as much as possible. And as much as um, as many times as I post and I put genuine statements out there for for feedback and critique, um, I definitely have a handful of people that I run my my comments by or thoughts that I think would resonate well with um, my mm. audience on social and just ask what ask how they interpret it um, or ask how it would represent the brand or if it's giving off the right, the right feel. Um, and I've had, I've received a lot of positive critique in terms of the, the words that I use to make sure I'm sending out positive messaging um, and in turn receiving positive feedback. So my, um, my go-to is, is taking risks, failing, failing fast, and then asking as, much, as many questions as possible. I like that. That that is a. I think that's a superb answer, Megan. Is yes. You know, there's an old phrase, probably older than all of us put together. Something about uh, don't ask. Just ask for forgiveness afterwards. Don't ask permission. Ask for forgiveness later. And what you're saying is go on the air on the side of caution. Get people to know where you're going with something before you commit that, before you hit the send button, basically. I like that a lot. Thank you, Megan. Great, great approach. Let's circle around back to William. William, you know this part of the show is called What's in Your Cup Today. So two questions for you. Number one, approximately where are you calling from? I never want to get the Google map coordinates of the roof of your house or the number on your office door. (laughs) We're not going to stalk you. We don't do that on social or on radio. Where are you today? And if there's nothing interesting in your cup this morning, William. Tell me what you love to drink that brings that wonderful smile I'm looking at in your in your PR picture. So talk to me. Well, I, I am calling from Miami Beach today, so don't want to make people feel bad, but it's a it's a gorgeous day. You already here, did. <laughs> you already did. <laughs> um, uh, and I and I do appreciate it. And I'm looking outside at at the water with my cup of. Nespresso, and my special pod is the arpeggio pod. And I have to say, um, after George Clooney, I am probably the biggest spokesperson for Nespresso. I love the ads with George Clooney, and uh, who's who's he with? Um, Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito, thank you. I was going to say the little, the short guy. Yes, sorry about that, Danny. I'm short too, so people probably say that about me. Okay, very, yes, yes, yes. So what is special about Arpeggio? I'm an espresso user as well. My machine is red. What color is yours, William? <laughs> well, my machine is black and gray, but the Arpeggio is the purple pod, and it's made with Arabica beans, so it's got a kind of a sweet roasted flavor. <laughs> I like it. that. And how do I you take it? You, you'll love it. How do you take it? 
uh, just plain espresso. Don't don't mess it up. It's so good. Okay, that's the way I usually do my Nespresso. Thank you. I'm looking for the perfect Nespresso. Going through a lot of flavors, haven't found it yet, but I will one of these days. Thanks for the recommendation. And now let's go to Megan Davis. Megan, where are you today? And what do you love to drink that makes you smile and be happy about what you do? Sure. So I am calling from somewhere less warm, but we do have some sunshine outside. I'm sitting in New York City. And I have a gigantic mason jar filled with sparkling water and lime sitting in front of me. Ooh, do you have a name for it? Is it the Davis Power Up or is it just a mason jar with water and lime? I like that. I need to, I need to brand this, uh, brand this morning drink into something, but it does, um, I, I feel like this, the mason jar is kind of going to be like the next iconic glassware you know we have like mm-hmm. the, the coca-cola bottle that's famous for its shape we have those you know the uh glass milk containers that are very known and i feel like this the more i'm thinking about it the mason jar is going to be this this next like very well-known glassware I think we're going to start a trend here. I don't think in six years of shows, Megan, and speaking with about 4,000 guests on various Game Changer shows, various series. We have over 30 series, by the way, Phil and William. You don't know that. I think we have about 32 series now, including 14 live this year, which will be 17 live coming up soon, launching a couple of new shows. I don't think more than one other person besides you, Megan, has ever mentioned the mason jar. And I Googled mason jar, and I'm seeing there are customizable mason jars, a disc count mugs and there were promotional mini mason jars libby has a uh, 16 ounce mason jar uh, libby yeah and ball jars i don't know phil lurie do you remember the ball jars for canning remember those absolutely absolutely you can, you uh, can still buy them in a box us. yep we have a restaurant near us called the mason jar and they serve all their drinks uh, in mason jars very, very cool. You know where you won't believe where you can buy them. This is so strange. They sell them at Joanne Fabrics and Crafts right here on Chapel Hill Boulevard in Durham where I'm living now. I didn't know I, I could go to a fabric store. Megan, that is really shocking, isn't it? Buying mason jars by the by the box of 12 from a fabric store. I, I don't think that even needs a comment. I don't know what Joanne's Fabric <laughs> is thinking, but that's really cool. So we're going to have to get a brand for you for your drink in the mason jar, Megan. We can, next time you come on, we'll, we'll discover one together, okay? There we go. There we go. There we go. And Phil Lurie, where are you today, Professor Phil? And what do you love to drink that makes you smile? I'm in northern New Jersey, um, near that restaurant. <laughs> Where they have mm-hmm. the mason jars, and you're making how <laughs> okay. we're thinking about it. Um, I'm drinking my coffee. Um, I'm a loyalist to uh, Chocolate and Nuts, good to the last drop. Um, and um, I actually prefer it to Starbucks. <laughs> we go through a pot a day at least. My wife and I were trying to cut back, but uh, but we're enjoying it too much. And uh, with late night working, I end up drinking a lot more coffee. I'm drinking it out of a mug that I got as a gift. Uh, from uh, friends in, in Canada who are aware of my past crimes as being a pilot, and it's uh, labeled as an octane tester. So wow. I thought that was pretty. So I'm drinking out of an octane tester. I love it. And do you know, do you remember when you used to pull up to the gas station, Phil, with your car, and you'd say to the attendant way before self-serve gas, you'd say, fill it up with high test. Do you remember that? Yeah, that was yesterday. I'm in New Jersey. <laughs> in we in Oregon are not allowed to pump our own gas. So uh, yeah. it was literally yesterday for me, yes. 
I was I was in Oregon for many years, but that was 40 years ago. Well, anyway, that's so when people ask how I take my coffee, I say high test, meaning just, you know, as William and I were talking about it straight up. Don't put anything in it. Don't dilute the flavor. Thank you. And by the way, I pulled up Mason Jar Restaurant in Mawa, New Jersey. Is that the one? Zero seven three four three zero. That's the one. The jar burgers, right? (laughs) There you go. It's a roomy bar restaurant offering many beers on tap plus an array of American standards in rustic digs on Ramapo Valley Road in Mawa. There's a little shout out to the people at the Mason Jar. You've got a good customer in in Phil Lurie. So it's my turn now. And uh, Phil may remember, William may remember, Megan doesn't know me. Megan, they do not let me anywhere near caffeine on radio show days. And Tuesday is a double header because an hour after we're off the air, I'm back with another live show. So all I have is cool clear water in a cool clear mug and I've got a green straw today because yes we have survived a certain amount of snow here in Durham I moved uh, eight months ago Phil down here in Durham I left New York after 35 years in Great Neck and uh, I brought my mug with me and I brought the package of colored straws there is a lot of green outside but we are still dealing with cold weather it could be 32 in the morning and up to 60 or 65 in the afternoon and down in the 30s at night it's very mercurial no pun intended so So that's all they allow me to have, and I'm happy to have my water. We're speaking today with three really interesting experts and thought leaders, and I'm going to rebrand the term thought leaders for William Arruda and Megan Davis and Phil Lurie because you're all very thoughtful in your answers. So I'm calling you thoughtful thought leaders. But before we go to break, I want to give William and Megan just 60 seconds or 90 seconds each to tell me what you do. William, I have here you're the founder of a company named Reach. Why don't you tell us what that is so we can be reminded? Go ahead. Well, Reach, uh, I, what we mostly do is, is personal branding, and what we've evolved to doing now is really helping people become the spokes uh, people for their companies. And, and to do that, they first need to know who they are. So, uh, and then they can be out there in the world helping to promote their own brands and uh, the team brand and, of course, the corporate brand. What kind of people come to you? Uh, mainly major corporations who, who really do believe that their people are their greatest asset and want to invest in them, uh, knowing that when their people are doing well and they're fulfilled and they're happy that the organization is going to do better. Very interesting. That goes to the uh, some of the conversation we've already been having about the the dichotomy or the challenge. So we talked about fail fast, fail often. Who are you as an authentic person, and who do you need to be to support the brand of your company? And how do we reconcile or mesh those two together? Thank you, William. Megan Davis, tell me a little bit about what you do at Gan Integrity. Sure. So at Gan Integrity, we are, uh, as you mentioned, a, a compliance technology startup. So I do business development and I lead social selling efforts there. Um, so I'm I'm talking and having conversations with everyone from the the executive team to uh, customer success to sales and marketing and um, all working together to fine tune the language and create a, a social strategy. Strategy, excuse me. Very interesting. Are you enjoying your time there? I know it's a, it's considered a startup. How long has GAN been around? It is. So GAN was around uh, longer than I have been there. It was founded about 12 years ago in Copenhagen. And about two years ago now, we shifted our headquarters to New York, which is where I'm calling from. And I have been at GAN Integrity just shy of a year. Um, and it has been, it's been a wild ride since I got on board with um, a few other colleagues last uh, last June, 
uh, the company has has multiplied in size and it's really an exciting space and an exciting company to be working in. Good. Well, we're very happy to meet you and happy to have you here. And Phil, you, I want to give you some free air time here, some equal time, Phil. Where are you teaching and what are your subjects? I'm teaching internet marketing at uh, Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, uh, the Lally School of Management, which is part of it. That's up in uh, Troy, New York, uh, near Albany. Uh, and, how do you uh, get there? Great, You're in New Jersey. How, how often do you I, commute? Uh, it's a two-hour drive each way. Uh, it's worth it because the kids are great, and uh, they're not even kids. I should. The young adults <laughs> are are great, and uh, they're all MBA candidates, and uh, a few undergraduates that are in dual majors, and uh, they ask great questions. And uh, you want to learn something? You teach it. <laughs> Absolutely, and what. Interesting, Phil, is tomorrow on my main flagship show, Coffee Break with Game Changers, we're going to talk about a really difficult topic, compensation, the biggest thing that makes an employee happy to go to work, motivated, happy, sad, sticking around, looking for other jobs, everything, the motivation, the well-being, the engaged, all of that good stuff. But two of my panelists are going to be graduate students from Baylor University, and we had a series of, uh, we did three three shows about four years ago with graduate students and their instructors from Baylor, and I don't even remember the topic, but they're coming back through uh, Gabby Burlaku at SAP, and uh, Lauren Pytel have brought back two graduate students. So speaking of students, we're going to be learning from students tomorrow as well. So thank you all. Very interesting opening to our topic. We are talking about social selling insider secrets. Ooh, those are the ones you want. What's in your toolbox? We're speaking with William Aruda at Reach, Megan Davis at GAN Integrity and Phil Lurie at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, also at SAP. I plan to be after the break, and I would really love to have a costume designed for me, Megan, by Edna Mode. I think I think you're going to have to make an introduction. I really want to get to know her. So we'll talk about that on the break. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be back with a lot more insider tips. And all I'm going to say to my engineer is, Aaron out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Social media is taking sales organizations by storm. And only those who adapt quickly into the new digital world will be around in the future. Social selling is a concept that has implications to all lines of business. From building the fundamentals in the sales process and getting the content marketing mix right to building cross-functional teams and ultimately changing the way buyers and sellers engage in a digital world. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how social selling is changing the world of business. Changing the Game with Social Selling is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Changing the Game with Social Selling, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Changing the Game with Social Selling. 
Absolutely. Social selling is changing the game, and we're changing the game and how you do social selling. There you go. Mirror upon mirror. William Aruda at Reach, Megan Davis at GAN Integrity, Phil Lurie at SAP, and I'm still Bonnie D. Graham, and I still want to meet Edna Mode in The Incredibles and get a costume. Edna, I need something very distinctive for my brand. We'll talk to talk to William about what my brand is another time. So we're going to start the roundtable now. William has sent me some, everybody sent me actually, but we're looking at William's notes from before the show, and here's something a little provocative. We'll start with. He says, video is no longer the future of social branding. It's where companies and individuals need to be today to stand out and make the biggest impact. So the implication, William, is that it's not the future. It's here now. Talk to me. Well, you know, the, the great thing about, about video is uh, it's the next best thing to being there. And it allows you to deliver a complete communication and engage on a much deeper and more emotional level with people who are engaging with you. Uh, that is something that you cannot do with the written word. The spoken word is so important. And so uh, the, all of the things that prevented us from using video before, right, bandwidth issues and access to video cameras, and all of that has gone away. And the only barrier to companies fully using video as a social selling tool is people. Right, the the mindset because we're not used to it, or uh, people being afraid of being in front of a video camera and 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 just being able to get their message out there. Uh, the companies that do this first are the ones that are going to succeed, and and we all know. Look at Facebook Live now, and LinkedIn came out with LinkedIn Live, and we know that YouTube is the second uh, biggest search engine right after. Google, more people are searching in YouTube. So companies really need to embrace it now or they'll be playing catch up in the future. Very interesting. Let's just do do a little bit deeper dive before I bring in Megan and Phil to see what their thoughts are on this. William, uh, we know the technology is there. We know it's affordable. We know it's easy. Everybody has some kind of a smartphone or if you don't, the person at the next cubicle or the sitting next to you on the train is going to have it. And we know that the resolution is getting better and better. I happen to own a Mevo camera, which I'm going to be using to produce my TV shows, which I did in New York. I'm going to be uh, turning my living room into a studio soon. I could stream live on Facebook and do them there. But just give us what we're calling today our insider secrets. What are the secrets to a really great video that will express a brand or a message on social? Just give us a couple of bits and pieces of what you would suggest would make a really stellar video. Yeah, well, you know what? Step number one is you have to ask yourself this question. Will what I'm talking about be valuable to my target audience, right? If you're delivering value, if your approach to video is I have something to say that's going to be really interesting and captivating and valuable to the people I need to influence, um, and you can tick the box there, um, then you're already 90% of the way down the path. And then, of course, um, you, you just want to make sure that you have the right lighting, good audio, so that you're mm-hmm. able to do it. And that, what I predict is in the future, the offices of the future will be built with video in mind. So we'll make sure that when we're sitting at our cubicle or wherever we are, that we have the right kind of lighting and the right kind of background and the things that will allow us to just do video you know, in a moment's time. The offices of the future will be built with video. I'm, t- I'm typing this into Twitter. Video in mind. Wow. Uh, is, is that a little bit of big brother, big sister? Yeah, every time you turn around, you're on a camp. Well, I think that's already happening, but it's for security. It's not for social selling. Just a quick comment on that, William? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't think it's big brother because it, it's really it's not people watching you. It's you choosing to broadcast yourself 
when you have something important, relevant, and valuable to say. And, and, and I think the impediment is people think they have to get into a studio and they have to move things around yes. and everything has to be perfect. But if you're already in that setting, it's just going to make it so much easier. Instead of putting fingers to key, you just touch that record button and poof, you're there. I'm loving that. Poof, you're there. Megan Davis, love to get your thoughts on the comments from William and the offices of the future will be built with video in mind. Thoughts, please? Absolutely. I love that um, the image you just painted and left me with, it, it seems so natural to type on a keyboard nowadays because we're so used to it, but really speaking and uh, presenting ourselves, you know, with with our bodies and showing up is much more natural, which which ties into video and that richer context. Um, I also so I have a question for you. Um, yep. I'm curious whether you prefer or what some of the advantages, disadvantages are between live videos um, where they're more interactive compared to something like a pre-recorded video that you post. You know what? I'm going to pose that question to William and to Phil. I, I like that. We don't usually do questions around the table, but I like that. William, do you want to quickly comment on that? Yeah. I, you know, I think it's like everything else. You, we want to mix, right? Live video is really great when you do want that interaction and to see what's happening. And often it's something that's happening right now that we, we, we want to speak about. Um, whereas other kinds of videos that, that really have a longer shelf life and they can be maybe a little bit more polished, those are also valuable. So I think what you need to do is, is have the right mix for uh, whatever that objective is that you're trying to reach. Thank you, William. Phil Lurie, thoughts on that? Great question from Megan. I, I love this conversation. Uh, SAP already is using video extensively. There, there are two, two aspects of it, and Megan's question is fantastic. I've got mm-hmm. a little answer to it. First of all, um, we're, there are a number of tools that already allow you to do video conferencing, and uh, I think that is much more effective in, in things that we use like Skype and, uh, and uh, Adobe Connect and a couple of the other products uh, all allow you, to, uh, brought, you know, to use your laptop monitor and, and uh, show your presence while you're, you're in the meeting. It chews up a little bandwidth, and sometimes it's difficult to, to actually get it to work. But uh, it, when you do it, it's really, really nice. And uh, a number of our vendors use it, and I do video conferences on a daily basis that way. Um, we at SAP have built in every one of our offices uh, little studios. Um, we have you know, good quality studios, but what I'm talking about is just taking a conference room, uh, putting in proper lighting and background, and uh, so we're already doing it uh, extensively, and uh, it's used especially for our commercial sales group. The one thing that I kind of would add or tweak to, to what William said is um, the video capabilities, and we're providing all sorts of tools to our people. One of the things that we're doing that I think is really important is adding B-roll or additional content where you've got some branding information. So um, when I prepare a video that I'm going to send out to a customer, I've got the capability of adding in some SAP content uh, in mm-hmm. terms of the logos and things like that and yeah. uh, some sound and things like that. So it's not just uh, you know recording a selfie kind of uh, video and sending it off to people. We're trying to make it semi-professional quality. We don't want to make it professional because it looks too contrived in certain cases. And we, do, we use the professional studios when we're doing training materials or, or product release information. But if you're just trying to communicate with a, cu- a potential customer or a customer, you want to have something that is in the middle, you know, it's got some uh, company branding 
as well as the person that you just met with talking to you on the screen. And if you've got background information, you show a couple of PowerPoints in there, we can merge all this stuff in there. And so we've got these tools that work on your um, your phone or on your iPad that will allow you to do that very easily. And, uh, you know, I can mention you know, different products, but uh, we, we've selected one or two and we're rolling them out. We've got a couple thousand people using them right now with very good results. So you're right on. I, I would just add, add the branding. Thank you very much. That's an interesting point. And uh, I'm just going to go back to what I said about having a Mevo camera and a whole studio set up here. I was doing live TV shows streaming online at PATV in Great Neck for many, many years. And now that I'm here, there is no nearby local studio, TV studio access that is accessible to me that has a really nice setup. So I've invested. But my point is that Mevo would allow me to stream live on Facebook, but I choose not to for part of the reason that Phil mentioned. My shows are typically a half-hour interview with a couple of people just talking. It's called Something to Talk About TV. And I want to do some post-editing, Phil. I want to add the roll-in from the front of the sh- on the front of the show. I want to add some credits at the back. I want to put a music bed in. So I'm not going to do that. But I do know that uh, we're here now on the Business Channel on World Talk Radio. And the Vice President, Ryan Treasure, who works very closely with me on setting up our shows, and Jeff Spinard, the CEO of World Talk Radio, also known as Voice America. They have a show they do, and they post it. They stream it live through live media. And it's very, very interesting because while they're on radio quotes, quote-unquote internet radio, you could see them doing the show. Uh, it's uh, Find Your Frequency, which is a double entendre, right, on radio and the frequency of, of who you are and your branding, all, all good topics. So very, very interesting. Yes. Now... I'm going to, I think we've covered the video aspect, William, so I'm going to come back and go to some statements here in Megan Davis's list of topics. And Megan, you had some interesting notes you sent me. Let's talk about content. So let me just read a little bit and then you can comment and we'll go around the table, Megan, then Phil, and then William. You say social multiplies the energy that you bring to it. So it's important to have a succinct content strategy and an effective way of distributing content to your team and for your team to populate content that resonates with them on social. She says it feels organic and genuine, and Megan has discovered a content library tool called Post Beyond. Megan, can you tell us a little bit about that, please? Absolutely. So, yeah, I recently uh, I came to find Post Beyond just doing research into uh, platforms that had a content library functionality because our team has an abundance of awesome marketing content and uh, really great salespeople. And the piece that that seems to, that would connect all of that seems to be a content library. And the way that the library in Post Beyond is set up is um, makes it really easy for admins to filter relevant articles and also marketing content to the platform making that available to employees and it also makes it very easy for employees to share. And going back to um, what Phil was saying about um, I think he used the word semi-professional on some of the videos that were being published, the platform, the way it's set up, it allows employees to publish content with, um, uh, with more or less structure in terms of the comment that goes along with that. So there's functionality for admins to to force one comment. So if you wanted to send out a very streamlined message, that is an option. But on the flip side, there's also an option to 
to show, to kind of inspire employees with the content and maybe provide suggestions by way of keywords or, um, or something timely, but it allows flexibility for employees to post with their own genuine voice the content that needs to be shared. Very interesting. We, we've never talked about this in terms of populating content out to a team. Phil Lurie, let's go around and have you comment, and then William. Phil? I absolutely agree. We have a, a couple of tools that we've looked at and a couple of tools we've implemented that uh, gather content. Uh, we have some that produce internal, you know, help uh, curate internal content. And uh, there's one product that we use uh, that uh, uh, listens to uh, about a 1,000 RSS feeds, uh, builds a repository of current content, uh, uses mm-hmm. machine learning to categorize it and uh, identify keywords. And then in addition... Uh, it, uh, you as an individual will uh, go into this tool. It's called Grapevine 6, and it's available for free, actually. Uh, we have a corporate edition. And what it does is then uses the uh, AI abilities to look at your profile on LinkedIn and mm-hmm. um, determine what your interests are. And uh, then you can go in and modify that, of course, and adjust it to your real tastes. And it selects articles from that repository that would be of interest to you. And you can then um, easily go into the article, uh, read the article, of course, and then add your comments to it. And then it will schedule to post it automatically to LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook, and you get to choose. And uh, we, we emphasize that people should put comments in to say why you're posting this to your network. But it's a ready source, mm. uh, readily available source of content for our people. And we found that their social selling indices have gone up significantly because they start putting out content that makes them look more like a, um, an expert in the field. We also uh, recommend an 80-20 rule where 80% of the content is not about SAP, but only 20% of the content is so that you don't sound like you're just promoting the company's products and services. You're an expert in the field. And that's building your personal brand. And we're looking to do what William was talking about earlier about building your personal brand. We find that posting good content makes you seem to be more credible and you are really becoming more of an expert. Uh, So we we love this tool for that. Then they've added another feature where you can actually look at a potential target, you know, a customer and do the analysis of their personality and suggest articles that you could email to them to be an icebreaker. So that's another way of another dimension of um, getting to people uh, in a warm way. And uh, that's building a personal network. So that's really important. So I think these tools are very important. And there really are a number of competitors in the marketplace. So I'm not just touting one, but uh, this is the one that we've selected and we've been very happy with it. We've been using it for about two years. Thank you, Phil. Great recommendations. That's what this is all about today. We're talking about insider secrets and tips. That's what we want. So, William Aruda, let's go around to you. Anything you want to add to this part of the discussion? Yeah, so I, I agree with everything that was said. And a couple of things. First, I'm, I'm a big fan of anything that makes this easy because the biggest uh, challenge people feel is, you know, who's got time for this? I have a, a full-time job and 8 million things on my do list. How am I also going to be a social representative of this organization? So if it makes it easy, it's great. My one caution that I'd like to add is I have a lot of organizations I work with who are using these tools. And if everyone is sharing the same content and they're not making that content unique to them, then it just feels like I'm being bombarded with, with content from this company. So I think that every individual has a responsibility 
to when you're sharing something to tell your audience why it's valuable or to add something unique that makes it even more valuable to say, you know, pay close attention to paragraph three because that's where the value is. Or uh, uh, the only thing the author left out was X. And I think that would be really helpful. And then what happens is you own that content more than the original author. Very interesting. Thank you very much. Uh, Megan, you know what? We're just about at our predictions round. But, Megan, is there anything you want to add to this? Some really interesting comments added by your co-panelists. Any thoughts you want to add before I go back to William and we start our predictions round? Sure. I I appreciate the insights and um, the um, yeah, the different tools that are being leveraged and the, the benefits of some of those. And I think that Grapevine 6 sounds really interesting. I want to learn more about that and also agree with what Will was saying about the importance of making each post feel organic so it doesn't feel like it's the brand being copied and pasted and um, feels like a push as more instead of a, a pull strategy. So yeah, I appreciate the feedback and the comments and um, yeah, that's it. Good. Okay. And we are ready. By the way, I have a quick comment. Uh, Phil, I think you were talking about video conferencing. I worked for Nokia years ago. I was marketing the IntelliSync suite, not the phones. And I was in their White Plains office. It was just a gorgeous building. I think it was uh, an executive drive at White Plains. I think it was originally at one of the IBM buildings in, in that area of the executive parks that populated that part of the of the area of White Plains. And um, we had something called Halo. And these were video conferencing rooms. They were like secret enclaves. You needed to schedule them. You scheduled them in Outlook actually as a resource, not as a meeting. And I didn't like to fly. I still don't. So I volunteered to my manager. I said, I'll set up the whole year's worth of Halo meetings for the team. So I booked the studio and you would get into a, a room, look like a spaceship in front of this big curved desk. And in front of you were three screens and you could bring in Halo studios from Nokia offices all over the world. So I was able to meet face-to-face with just a a, a tiny delay. My manager was in the UK and we had people all over the world and we could actually be face-to-face once a month having our team calls. How cool is that, right, Phil Lurie? <laughs> uh, how dated that is, too. <laughs> We're all doing that now. Skype for, everybody does it with Skype for free. I mean, uh, you know. <laughs> I know, but back in the day, that was that was a big I deal. I mean, this was just amazing. You had a little console on the desk, and you had passwords, and you had an operator there to help you on the phone and all that. Okay, I, I rest my case. Funny, but William, it a million dollars in those it days. Pro- it probably. Dollars. Now, now you're doing it uh, with your phone. You're that's right. Time with your phone. So, yes, absolutely. Uh, that's that right. But we, we were able to get four cities all on the same call with three people right. in each office. So it was really, really cool. I rest Amazing. my case. William Aruda, it's, <laughs> thanks a lot for that, Phil. I appreciate that. No, no extra coffee for you today. William Aruda, it's time for our predictions round. I can give you each about 60 seconds. You can't take 90 today because we're running short on time. William, why don't you give me your prediction for social selling insider tips? Let's, let's reflect on what Phil just said. Will everything you and Megan and Phil have shared with our audience today, William, will it be relevant one year from today? Let's make that our, our prediction. What do you think? Oh, so I, I think it absolutely uh, will be, but what's going to happen is all kinds of new exciting things are going to happen that none of us can predict right now, uh, right? And and that is, I think, where the excitement is. We're, we're involved in a field that is changing day by day. Every day I learn something new, and I can't remember a time in my career 
where, where that was the case. So I, I, I think a lot of what we talk about is going to be amplified in the future, and there are a whole bunch of exciting things we don't even know about yet. Thank you. I like amplified and I like exciting and not not knowing yet. Megan Davis, I can give you a whole 60 seconds. Use them well. Let's have your prediction, please. Sure. So going off of amplified and exciting um, and a gut instinct that I have just being new to the space, but seeing, seeing the movements that are happening, I think that in the future, social will become the purchasing destination and brick and mortar will be largely reserved for experience. And tying back into, into Williams Nespresso, um, the mm-hmm. Nespresso store in Manhattan is a great example of that. And I think that's the direction that things will continue to move in. Thank you very much. And Mr. Phil Lurie, Phil, they were so succinct, I can give you 90, but that's all. 90 seconds, Phil Lurie, all yours. I'm sorry to say, uh, uh, well, actually, I'm pleased to say I agree completely with, the, with what was said. Uh, by my colleagues here. Um, I think that uh, we're at the beginning stages. The world is exciting. The reason I got into this whole industry of IT and such is uh, it's been changing from day one, and I've been in it for many, many years, and I expect it to continue. Uh, and uh, uh, I've not been disappointed by that, that that change and the evolution. But the basics are the same. You know, people are still buying from people they trust, and the things that we're talking mm-hmm. about here are going to ensure some continuity. So I'm not afraid of the change. I think the change will be great. We'll iterate and we'll make mistakes, but then we're going to go back to selling uh, from the strength that we have. Thank you. I have a quick question for a, a bonus round, a lightning round, if you will, William, and then Megan, and then Phil. What year will we see the word social drop from selling and it'll just be selling and not social selling when everything we do will be the modern salesperson? William, predict a year for me. Uh, well, you know what? I'm going to predict this year because I, I think it's moving that fast. Aha, uh-huh. Megan Davis. When will we see social drop from social selling? You know what? I'm going to I'm going to just 100% agree. Um, I I think this year as well. Okay, and Phil Lurie, agree or disagree? Real fast. I've already started. I think it was last year. I stopped really accepting when people mention it. We call it media. We, we've, we've, we're coming up with alternate names, but uh, I absolutely agree. It's done. We don't call it social okay. selling anymore. It's our go-to-market strategy just happens to be using social. I'm going to have to get rid of the social selling hashtag then. We might have to change the name of the show. I'll talk to Kirsten Boylow at SAP about that. I want to just do a little prediction of my own. I'll be back in one hour at noon Eastern time with Game Changing Conversations Radio. Our topic will be billion-dollar business. Everybody loves the billion word. Driving profit from purpose with Freya Williams, Jim Sullivan, and Pad Meany, Ranganathan, and it's going to be a very interesting conversation. So if you want a billion-dollar business, you better tune in right here on the Business Channel. Channel. Special thank you to William Aruda. William, don't stay away that long. Love talking to you. Megan Davis, you're in the Game Changers family now, my dear. You did great. And Phil Lurie, I'll go be professorial. <laughs> we'll talk again soon. <laughs> thank you. And a shout out to Aaron Keller, our engineer extraordinaire. And let's just wrap this up. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. It's not a social seatbelt. It's just a seatbelt. There we go. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like William, just like Megan, just like Phil Lurie, and just like me. I'll be back in an hour. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game with Social Selling, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, 
Tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.